Well, after the preaching of God's word, we'll sing from hymn 81 in all seven stanzas, and we'll stand together for that. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the prayer, your will be done, has sometimes been called the prayer that never fails, the prayer that never fails. In other words, if you don't know what to pray, you can always pray, Lord, may your will be done. May you be glorified through what I'm going through, even though I, I don't understand it. Lord, may your will be done in my life, whatever your will is for me. Numerous saints have found comfort in those words. Beautiful example of this surrender to God comes in the midst of suffering that John Newton faced. John Newton is the one who wrote the hymn, um, Amazing Grace. Every year on his birthday, Newton wrote a meditation describing what God was doing in his life. In one year, his thoughts were melancholy, for his wife was ill, and he knew that she had not long to live. Newton could hardly bear to see his wife suffer so much, but he resigned himself to God. And at the end of his annual meditation, he wrote this simple prayer, what thou wilt, when thou wilt, and how thou wilt. When thou wilt, or what thou wilt, when thou wilt, and how thou wilt. We can only hazard to guess what the inner workings of God's perfect will are, but we know that when we ask God's will to be done, that somehow our prayers are going to be used to activate the grinding of the wheels of God's providence. And we may find out that someday our prayers were used to, in these desperate moments, by God to set in motion his divine decree. Well, the third petition is a prayer that the Lord's will be done in our lives. How do we know that? How do we know that it's God's will be done in our lives? Because Jesus adds, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we are asking that his will may be done here just as the angels do in heaven. And that's why our scripture reading came from Psalm 103 this afternoon. Because it clearly describes the angels and how they willingly follow God's commands without complaining. And so this is a prayer for obedient praise. We're going to look at this with two points this afternoon. First of all, according to the heavenly ideal. And then secondly, into the earthly reality. So the prayer for obedient praise is according to the heavenly ideal. Now as David closes this psalm, a very well-known psalm, a very loved psalm by, by many, familiar to you, no doubt, a psalm that praises God for his mercies, he commands the entire universe to praise. But in verse 20, he begins with the angels. He calls them hosts, the angelic armies that are part of the celestial court, and then he refers to them as ministers, verse 21. Who are the angels? 
Boys and girls, children, what do you think of when you hear that word angel? Well, you've probably seen many pictures of them. Perhaps you've seen pictures of, of creatures who were white in appearance, who had wings on their backs. Uh, sculptors a long time ago have often sculpted them as uh, little children, you might say, or, or cupids who look like children. And around Valentine's Day, this is often how they're, they're depicted, uh, with arrows in their hand and a quiver on their backs, flying around. And people will sometimes say that when they're in love, they have been shot by Cupid's arrow. We have some pretty weird ideas in our day about who they are. And we find that these ideas are often very opposite to what the Bible actually says. What does the Bible actually say about them? Although the Bible doesn't treat the subject with a lot of detail, we do have enough information to know and understand what they are and what they do. The Bible describes them as messengers. They're agents God sends forth to execute his purposes. As to their existence, there are thousands of them. They belong to the God of hosts, their mighty army, to serve him. As to their work ethic, it's flawless. They never go on strike. They never call in sick or show up late. They don't ever complain. They do as they're told. As to their nature, they're spirits. They do not have flesh and blood. They're ministering spirits. They've appeared throughout history in brightness and light. Often we see them uh, dressed in, in white. These are some of the things that we know about their existence. And as to what they do, their function is manifold. They are sent, they are God's agents of providence. They're agents who carry out God's work of redemption. They've appeared to people like Abraham and the prophets. They have brought the good news about Christ being born. As you think of the, the shepherds who heard that good news for the very first time from angels. And they also have that same function of protecting those who make the Lord their refuge. Psalm 91 reminds us of that, how he gives charge to his angels over you and keeps you in all your ways. Now, verses 20 and 21 of Psalm 103 describe their praise. And in describing their praise, the psalmist reveals the char their character uh, their character and their response to the, the, to the Lord in heaven. The first thing that we notice is that they're obedient to the Lord, not disobedient. They, ob they obey God uh, instantly and do not disobey. David says in, in uh, verse 20, they excel in strength and do his word. They obey the Lord. They don't act on their own authority or power. They exist as beings who do his will and they to are totally obedient to the voice of his word. And they do this perfectly. Not only do they obey the word of God perfectly, they're also attentive and ready, not reluctant. They fellowship with the Lord who speaks to them personally, and they are ready to do his will. Now, we might say, of course they're ready to do his will. They're in God's presence. Why wouldn't they? 
Note how the psalmist describes them. They're, they're not weak, reluctantly doing what God says. No, they're, they're strong. They excel in strength. They're a mighty host, strong enough to carry out his holy orders. And they don't do that reluctantly. They're attentive and ready in heaven. There's never any protest against God. That only happens here on earth, where there's a lot of criticism and complaining and chafing against the Lord. But not in heaven. And not only, are they, not only are they obedient, not only do they do his word perfectly without reluctance, note also that, that they're joyful, not murmuring or complaining. As David says there at the end of verse 21, they do his pleasure, which means they do the things that delight God. They take delight in what God delights. And there's no need to coerce them. There's no need to tell them to stop complaining. There's no need to tell them to, to carry out God's purposes. They do this with the spirit of, of thankfulness, without complaining. So that's the example that Jesus is giving us of what we're to do here on earth. The example of heaven is one where holy angels to do God's will perfectly. And it's to be the same way on earth. God's will is good, and therefore it is not open to any criticism, any protest, or any murmurings. As the angels of heaven receive what God gives and accept it without protest, so we on earth are to receive what God gives and accept it without protest. Heaven is an example to us. Now the question is, <clears throat> does, the will of, does the word will here in the third petition refer to God's secret Will, his plan, arranged for our lives before the world began? Or does this word will describe God's law? What concerns us? Well, the Catechism explains the third petition in, that, in, in this way. Grant that without murmuring, we would obey your will. But there are two sides to his will. God's word makes that very clear. Uh, Psalm or uh, rather Deuteronomy chapter uh, 29, verse 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So the secret things of the Lord, these are God's decrees, but his revealed will is his word to us, his commands. Now, we could never say that we're not concerned about the hidden will or only with the revealed will. We're concerned about both. And we have to obey God's commands, and we're to submit to his hidden will as well. As parents, there are areas in the life of our children that we want to control, where we want, only want good things to happen to them. If they're sick, it's easy to pray that, that desperate prayer. Please help them to get better. But knowing inside ourselves that we're not praying with the right spirit. Thinking to ourselves that the Lord would help us at all. That's not concerned about God's will. Instead, we're to pray that they would get better. But help us to trust 
that you know what's best for them. Or when we get seriously ill and suffer many thorns and thistles, those dark times don't come by God's chance, by, by, God's, uh, by chance rather, but by uh, God's will, by the Father's will. We can't rattle our chains. We know that everything that we go through is according to his plan. Even if we don't know what God has in store for us. And certainly that is partly why we pray, not my will, but yours be done. But this is especially concerned about doing what God commands us. Namely, his revealed will. With the third petition, Jesus told the 12 disciples around him to focus on God's law, specifically to ask God that every action may be determined by God's will, which is revealed in Holy Scripture. How do we know that? Because, again, that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, the angels obey the Lord. Do all that he commands. And in that way, we pray that our wills would be like theirs. Well, it brings us to what we then see here secondly, that this is a prayer for obe obedient praise, and it comes into earthly reality. Now, since the angels are commanded to praise God, and since they do it willingly, David then calls all God's work to praise him, all his works. The whole cosmos is called to unite in the praise of God all things that are part of his dominion. And, and they're called to do this, and if they're called to do this, what about people on earth? What about the psalmist? And what about us today? That's why this psalm ends with those words, praise the Lord, O my soul, as David thinks of himself. Now the implication is that if God is served by angels night and day in constant praise and worship, and they willingly and readily obey his word, then so must we. Not just in our voices and song, but with our willingness to praise him with our lives and with our actions. And that's what we read this afternoon from Lord's Day 49. As it, as it gives the implication of it in that way, that everyone may carry out the duties of his work and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. We're praying that God would help us to carry out the work that he's called us to. The word there is office. The meaning for the office is minister of the word or elder or deacon. We would be faithful to these offices, but also to everyone's calling, because we all have a calling. We're all called to be Christians. That's an office. To be a Christian is an office. It's a station in life. And we all have different stations in life, whether you're a student, or a parent, or a business owner, or a retired senior, God's will must be put to practice in all of those areas. God's given us a Bible full of instruction for us about how he wants us to live our lives. It's his whole word. Not just the Ten Commandments, but every 
everything that he commands us. To keep the Sunday holy, to do what to do that by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. To remember Christ by celebrating the Lord's Supper. But not just in matters of church, but in everyday life. In family matters. To train up a child in the way of the Lord. That he should not depart from it. To love your wife. To submit to your husband. And in your personal life, to serve the Lord and not idols. To make sure that I don't commit adultery. Or to make sure that I don't steal. Or bear false witness. And to make the hard decisions in life, which sometimes involves searching for God's will in a difficult situation. It's getting down to everyday life. Keeping the word. Keeping that word in the nitty gritty of life. But because of the sinfulness remaining in us, we have different difficulty carrying out the will of God. We acknowledge that the Lord is Lord and that we need to obey him, but we're too weak to consistently do what the Lord calls us to do. There's a, a whole Bible full of instruction. And how are we to do this? Well, we come to church. The Lord calls us to be each Sunday. And we do that in obedience, but not perfectly. We do that in obedience, but not always with the right heart or with the right motive. The Lord wants us to listen to the sermon, to take it to heart, and to learn from it. But reality is, minds wander, thoughts go to that lab report that's due this week, or to that Loose tile in the bathroom. You know, I got to get that work done. How can I get that done? I got to go shopping. Got to do this. Got to do that. That's human weakness. And Satan loves that. He loves to have the, t our, the tendency to let our minds wander rather than doing something about it. So here's where, here's where the prayer becomes real. Where you say, Lord, help me to hear your word. I need it. As I struggle with concentration, I pray, Lord, help me to stay awake, to focus. And Monday, the situation's going to be different. Children, you're going to get up. Instead of getting down to business, you know, your mom is going to be saying, it's time to get up, it's time to clean this up, to get ready. You ignore what your mom tells you to do. And when she says something, you might get in a bad mood. Well, you need to pray. You need to pray for help in this area that you will obey. Or sometimes a father will hear those words, Dad, can I play a little bit longer on the computer? Can I play that favorite game that I'm playing? Can I play Minecraft? Well, son, you know, you've had your allotted time for this week. Maybe there's something else that you could do. Go outside. You better wait till next week. Ah, oh, but just one more game, Dad. Just one more. And at the end of the day, your parents are going to say, it's bedtime. How are you going to reply to that, children? Are you going to say, ah, oh, do I have to go to bed now, Mom? Can I just stay up a little bit longer? 
can I keep on playing for a little bit longer? Or you're, you're gonna be like, are you going to be like the angels in heaven who follow God's will for their lives with joy? It's not easy to be joyful when you have to go to bed, but you can pray that the Lord would help you not to complain and to listen and that you would do what your mom wants you to do without any protest. And as a mother, you can suddenly have so much on your plate. You, you can have a child needing a diaper to be changed. And while in the meantime, there's food burning on the stove. And then it's hard to be like the angels in heaven to be content with your calling in life. But you can pray for grace. Be more like the angels. And moreover, as a father... You do your best. You work hard for your family. You put food on the table. And you spend much time in getting things done around the house, fixing this and building that. But as a father, you're imperfect. And your children maybe don't get the direction that they should. Because you're the spiritual leader in the house. And you leave too much of their training to your wife. This is where you pray that God might grant you the strength and the wisdom to prioritize your time so that you know when to put down your hammer and when you need to put down your skill saw and spend that time to train them, to ask God for strength to deny your own will, to know that when you put down that hammer and that skill saw and calmly, willingly do his will by asking your children how they're doing spiritually, by taking out the catechism and going it through that. that. You're fulfilling that calling. And at your job, you might work with people who are difficult to get along with. You might have a lot to occupy you and the phone rings and then another email comes and there's this distraction and there's that distraction and then there's getting stuck in traffic on the way home and there's so much that has to be done. So many pressures, many people working under, under you and around you, and they can test your patience. Are you able to do these things as the angels in heaven who are faithful and obedient in their will to God? And you realize that we could give a dozen examples this afternoon how we conduct ourselves in the office in the workshop, in school, or in other places of life. And if I'm a son or a daughter taking care of aging parents, I pray for grace to help me to do that in a way that honors him, honors the Lord. And if I'm single, I pray for grace to live that way, and doing that willingly and faithfully, carrying out the work that he's called me to. So here you can see where the prayer does take on this dimension where we're breathing real life and we're able to come to God and ask for what we need. We all have struggles. And so the question that needs to come in our minds is, Father, what do you want me to do? What is your will for me in this situation? How do I work it out? You can pray for grace because we're weak and imperfect, sinful, sinful beings. So where do we turn? Well, we turn 
to the Lord. That's the great theme of Psalm 103, isn't it? It's a psalm of mercy. Psalm 103 is a psalm exalting the mercy of God. That's why David calls the angels to worship the Lord. And that's why David praises the Lord for his mercy. He says that man's days are like grass. He's weak and his days end quickly. But for those who trust the Lord, there is grace. David exalts the Lord for being gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, how great, so great is the Lord's love for those who fear him. And you know, we get those blessings, even though we don't deserve them. We deserve to be rejected. We deserve wrath. But we're shown mercy, you see. We deserve hell, but we get heaven. We deserve to be under Satan, but instead we're placed under the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how great God's mercy is. And thus we have, have been given a gospel sent from heaven. A gospel that even angels desire to, to, to look into. As God's word says. And we pray that God may sanctify us by his spirit. Sanctification is such a painful process. C.S. Lewis likened it to going to the dentist. He remembered as a boy how he often had a toothache, but he didn't want to tell his mother about it because he knew that, she, uh, he knew that if he told her, she would give him something for it, and the next day the dentist would be called, and then he would go wanting immediate relief from the pain, but... He knew that a dentist would not just look at one tooth. He'd look at all of them, and there'd be more work that had to be done. That's what the Lord's work is like in our lives. His will is that we should be holy. It's often a painful process where we're called to change our attitudes, where we're called to change our view of others. God's purpose is that we should be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And we not only are praying that others would be conformed to God's will. Uh, we, we say, as the catechism says, help us in all men to reject our own wills and to obey your will. Put to death the old nature and walk in that new obedience. As uh, Galatians 5 says, we're to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Now, as we contemplate these words today, we need to ask ourselves the questions. Are we obeying the Lord in everything? Are we asking him in prayer to help us renounce our wills? Do we struggle to obey the Lord without murmuring and complaining? And are we humbling ourselves before the Lord 
and acknowledging that there are areas that we're called to repent from. The Lord calls us to pray this petition because he knows that we need to pray it. But also graciously offers to answer it. Now you might be dealing with a certain sin in your life today. But be assured that you can pray. Your will be done. And God will help you. Are you having a hard time with complaining and murmuring, especially when it comes to doing what God says you to do? Remember the third petition. And the Lord will help you. So in many ways, it's not an easy petition. It's very difficult. But it's a necessary one. And it's a necessary one because it is a prayer for obedience praise. Amen.